All right, welcome to the Chaz Palmentary Show. It's Monday, and it's 11 o'clock. Uh, and uh, I got a great guest for you today. Really, this guy is a classic. He's a legend. And before I tell you who he is, don't forget, subscribe, hit that like button. If you want to come and see the, the original one-man show, go to chazpalmentary.net. And uh, I will be at a city near you doing the Broadway show. I'm doing it all over the country. Go to my restaurants. Check it out. I got one of the top uh, Italian restaurants in Manhattan and in Westchester. Uh, 30 West 46th Street and uh, 265 Main Street, Charles Palm and Terry's. Okay, I got a guy here that you're going to know him right away when you see him. All I can say is, I'm going to say, you know when they see uh, Bronx Tale, they say, uh, Naives can't leave. And they say things like, throw him in the bathroom. Well, when you see this guy, you say, sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. The legendary actor. You're in your, you know, his, I mean, he's been in 100 movies, but obviously one of the great ones is The Karate Kid. Marty Cole. Marty. Ah, uh, thank you, thank you. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Okay, it's just so great to have you. My son is really pissed off. He's in L.A. He goes, no way are you having him here. He's coming to the house. I said, no, we're going to do it on the roof. Of course he's coming to the house. <laughs> he goes, Dad, how could you do this to me? I said, I, I, you know, it's the only time I can get him. He's here now. But he loves, he, you know, he loved, he's a big, uh, you know, martial arts guy and, he, and everything. But, uh, I mean, do people say that to you, sweep the leg, Marty? All the time. Sweep the leg and, and no mercy. It's like... No mercy. I'll go, you know, I'll go into a, a building and this security guy doesn't even know me. It's just a little box over here, you know. Right, right, right. And I say, hi, it's Marty Cove. And they don't even say, open the gate or they don't say, <laughs> you know, come on in. They just go, sweep the leg. Sweep the uh, leg. the box, you know. Isn't that something you say one thing... Like that, and it's like, it just lives on. Man. Well, that is no mercy. I think, you know, it's it's interesting you hear no mercy a lot. No you mercy, can, too. You yeah. can watch no mercy on a war movie in the 50s, and it means something else. Right. You know, they all say, they say no mercy, and, you know, and they're charging ahead in the Korean War movie right. or something, Steel Helmet, or any of these movies that I make note where they use those uh, dialogue. Right. And, you know, it's, it has a different connotation. It has it's a different connotation. Yeah. Now, again, let, let's just start a little bit in the beginning. Where, where did, where were you? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, I grew up in Crown Heights. Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Now, how does a kid from Crown Heights, Brooklyn, grow up, and all of a sudden go, yeah, yeah, I want to be an actor? How does this happen? It was the fourth grade, and it was PS one. PS 161 on Crown Street in Brooklyn. Right. And um, I did a play called The Golden Goose. And The Golden Goose was a guess. I just had a great time. And I said to myself, this is so much fun. And I just was in every play all the way through, you know, junior high and, and high school. And, and never did much about it till I was like 20, you know. And yeah. then I really took my little portfolio and went into the city. Just and, like we all do, yeah. You know, and... Just worked in Lincoln Center and La Mama and yes. a lot of places like that. And, yeah. And just um, eventually went out to California, like within about seven years after doing a, a lot of stage work. Yeah. And um, and I just never really looked back. I didn't, I didn't have to take any other jobs. It did just, you ever have to do another job? Never no. did, no. I mean, that's a miracle. It's a miracle. That is a miracle. I mean, yeah. I definitely had to do other jobs. That's a miracle. Wow. It was it, it was interesting, but remember, in those days, in the seventies, you know, you're guest starring on TV, and it was interesting, but it wasn't as fulfilling 
as doing some of the stuff you got to do. I mean, some of the stuff you got to do in the, in the with Bronx Tale and, and the writing and all. I tried writing because I'm a big Western proponent, yeah. you know? And I bought a computer in 2001 to write a Western. Wow. I never had, I never had the discipline. It's like my life was too rich, and I never had the discipline to shut the, the yeah. rest of the world out and use my index cards and write that's something. Something. Uh, the, the white paper would look right back at me and yes. say, sorry, nothing. It, you know? It's a horrifying thing. Yes. To is. look at the paper and it's white and you look at it. And I totally understand that. I, but I, what I do, uh, I do sometimes I'll go teach at, at, uh, at Yale or places there for the uh, screenwriting. And, I tell, and what I always tell them is, because they say, Chaz, uh, Mr. Palmetary, how do you do it? How do you write? I go, listen. A writer writes. You just write. You have to discipline yourself. You have to sit down. You have to write it. Don't worry about if it's good or bad. Finish it. Finish the 100 pages. You're going to feel so good about it. You're going to feel so good about yourself. Then you go back and you start to rewrite. Nobody writes it and it's great. You know, nobody does that. You've got to write it, then rewrite it. Writing is rewriting. And I try to tell these young screenwriters and they go well they think there's a secret thing you know and i go no it's see as an actor you're an actor you got to show up on time you got to know your lines yeah as a director and as an actor i got to show up on time and i got to know what i'm going to be shooting as a writer you have nobody there to, to tell you to go right no. as a writer it's all you it's all discipline. It's all discipline. That's why, I, you know, I, I have this office and I come in here and I soundproof, I shut the door and I go, okay, time to write. And I, I put it in my head. Every time I'm writing something, I go, I'm making money. I'm making money. I keep saying that to myself. If this goes well, but I, I'm writing something from my heart and I go, listen, you know, who said this to me? Uh, if you want to be something you, you never were, you have to do something you never did. And it's just that simple. You got to do something. Interesting. Yeah. So you never worry. Get to something you never did. You're right. It's really fascinating because the, the I'm a good person to work with a writer because I have yes. great ideas. Yes. And I can restructure and I can you know I can pull from. In, 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 we're doing a comic book and a comic book is it's a western four issues. Right. And I wanted something fresh, so I wanted an old gunfighter with a 12-year-old kid sharing moral values together, constantly great. moral fiber back and forth because they're reluctant heroes together. Right. And what's fascinating is I was able to work with the writer, but the broad strokes, and I was able to pull out of the yes. searchers, pull out of Red River, but, but pull a, out of the Wild Bunch and say, this moment works, right. this moment right. works, let's integrate it, you know? But to sit and do what you do, to come in this room the, it's, the it's white harder. paper would just look right back at it's me harder. and say, yeah. die. It's you know? Well, it's like, it's like this computer. You go, you know what? The, the person who made this computer, fuck, that was hard. But now you could, once they've made it, you could look at it and go, I don't know about the apple over here. Let's put the apple over here. It's, it's a little yeah. easier doing that. But, but if you could work with a writer, I mean, that's an art in itself. There's some actors, they give you notes, and you go, why am I listening to this person? Then other actors <laughs> who give you notes, and you go, wow. That's a great idea. Yeah. Because I learned something. One thing I learned from Robert De Niro, and I always bring up Bob because that was my first big movie, and I, I was so fortunate to do him. And he said, uh, it takes just as much talent to recognize a great idea as it is to come up with it yourself. 
So if somebody, if eight people have ideas, and what, and you take number seven's idea, you have the same amount of talent because you recognize that was a great idea. Sure. So it it. it Makes you feel like, hey, you know, I'm talented too. But enough of that. What I, I want to know. So, what was your first break? I don't know. You know that it's a minute what break. What is the break? What you is know, the break? What is a break? You I know? don't know. Guys call you. They they come up to and they say, "You're an icon." I let you know you're right. a legend. What to me? The legends were Anthony Hopkins, Marlon Brando. Absolutely. You know, Sean Connery, yes. Peter O'Toole. Those are legends. They throw those words around too you know, easy. People yes. throw those. And, you know, I don't think of myself as an icon. And then one day I'm chatting with my friend who plays Johnny Lawrence on the show. But Billy Zapka is his name. Yeah. And, you know, we're outside the building in Atlanta. As you know, we're shooting the show and there's a fire drill. So everybody comes out of the building and they don't know we live there. So we're really low key. And... You know, they all come up and say, wow, I didn't know you legends, you icons live here in the building. Right. And I said to Billy, after they walked away, I said, I don't think of us as an icon. No. I don't think of us as legends. And he says, to this generation, we are icons. Yes, yes. To our generation, it right. is the masters of Brando, masters. John Garfield, Sean Connery, yeah, yeah. David Niven. Montgomery Cliff. Montgomery Cliff. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, come on. You know, you yeah. get, you know, and all these... So I do understand that. You know? Yeah. And so now, you know, you, you break. What is a break? Was Cagney and Lacey a break doing a show with those two girls? How long were we on Cagney and Lacey? Six years. All right, that's, I mean, that's big. Yeah, You're on a hit good. show for six years. I mean, that was big, right? Yeah, you canceled twice. You live, right. you, you, know, you live the good and the poor at the same time. But the work was great. The right. issues were great. Right. All taken from the New York Times. That's great. It was it was wonderful. Right wow. now, the show would be a massive hit. Back in eight, 1982 to 88, it was a struggle. Was People a struggle. weren't ready for like, you know, two women detectives. Now was a great idea for that. <laughs> now it's great. Well, uh, look at uh, what was that? Rizzolian Isles. You yeah, know, that was a that was a pretty good. I thing. always enjoyed that. Yeah. I so yeah, no, it, it's a it's a so okay. So that's like your first. Okay, I'm a really professional actor. I'm working regularly. And people are getting to know who you are. Yeah. So after Cagney and Lacey, did you find it a little rough? Was it easy after that? Or It was easier, but still, you know, it, you're getting hired as the wise guy. You're getting hired as the tough guy. As the cop. And, and yeah. I always, you know, I... I I cried supermarket openings. I mean, I, I just, you know, I'm right. the kind of guy who's a romantic, and right. I want to do the stuff that Sean Connery did. Right. You want to do the stuff that later on Brando did, you know, and yet you're, you're typecast. So you do a movie. Right. While I'm doing Cagney and Lacey, I do this movie called Karate Kid. And I went there and auditioned and was given the script a day before and said, you have a whole week. And then the next morning they call and they say, John Avelson wants to see you now, today. And I, I was just so angry. And my ex-wife says to me, you use, you know, we were married at the time, she says, use the venom you feel right. for these people now, for them not giving you the week to prepare. Yeah. So I go in there and I, I, I say to uh, John Avelson, when I get in the meeting, I say, and it was a scene where I'm walking up and down in the, uh, in the uh in the dojo, screaming, mercy is for the weak, here and on the right, street. Right, right so I, I, I want to get pumped up, and I go to John, and I casting woman, and I say, you know, John, we work, wait for years to meet directors of your caliber, and we fire our agents, we fire our managers, and finally, 
I get to meet you and you don't give me enough time with the script. You're an asshole. And so are you, Caro Jones. Mercy is for the weak. Hear it on the streets. And I, I go right up into the, into the thing with the venom I'm feeling. Yeah. He loves it. Sends me to Jerry Weintraub. I do the same thing to Jerry. I abuse him. And I say, hey, man, you're four days late to this meeting. Where the fuck have you been? Yeah, you right, know? right, right. You know? Got the part. And, and he, we'll go right into it. Mercy is for the weak. Here and on the street. Stops me halfway. Sends me to the head of the studio. I get the part. And it just showed me that where the character was. Right, it right. It showed me that the guy was so full of venom. And he was one-dimensional. But it was a great break because yeah, yeah. the movie was a big success. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But you know, I always wanted to do the romantic. Yeah, yeah. I always Everybody, I wanted to yeah. be Steve McQueen. You yes. talk about those early days. Yeah. I my first acting coach, I said to him, you know, I think it was Peggy Fury out of Actor Studio, and I said, you know, it was the late seventies, and I said, I really want to be like, you know. You think you can give me that twinkle that Steve McQueen has? This is uh, what I said, uh, right? Steve McQueen. I mean, wow. I mean, wow. It, it was yeah. the best. And he yeah. looked at me and he, he said, I don't know you. And he said what you and I know. He says, I don't know if I could give it to you. I think you're going to have to work for it. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. You know, and then probably 15 years later, I stopped trying to be Steve McQueen. And my agent said to me, you know, you do Marty Cove. Do Marty, do Marty Cove. Cove. Don't do Steve McQueen. Yeah, you know? there's only one Marty Cove. And there's only one Steve McQueen. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and Steve McQueen had his limitations, too. He did, What he did was great. He was great. Don't get me wrong. Steve McQueen was a great actor. And what he did, him on that motorcycle, and you know, you just look at him and you go, fucking movie star. All right. You know, fucking, look at him. He's a movie star. You know, he yeah. was, he had that thing. He had that thing. In the yeah. early days, even when he did The Blob, which was like The before, Blob before Magnificent Seven. Right. And he was doing shtick. Right. You know, so, he, so, he was doing all this right. stuff. Right. So that's what I'm trying to say. So right. it's, it's the right person with the right script, too, Mark. Yeah, of course. In all fairness, that if you would have got a great script like he did back then, you could have been you could have been Steve McQueen. Who the fuck knows? Right. Exactly. No question. Exactly. You're a really fucking great actor, a handsome guy. Why not? It's, it's, it's the, the nature, that's what I tell my son, it yeah. is the nature of the business to ride the roller coaster. Right. And just just the way it is. Wow. Just the way it so is. So now your son, now, okay, so let's talk for a second. We're in, we're in Gravesend together, You're, you know, Willem DeMeo series. You're in it, and your son's in it too, right? Yeah. Are you sharing the screen with him in something? Yeah, we're both, we're both rabbis working for the mob, and it's hysterical. And I have this big beard, and I have—I mean, I have a video. It's hysterical, and I show it to people. They don't believe it, right. but it's—it's it's really wonderful and right. written very well, you know. And William DeMeo stars in this thing, and he's just—you know—I I think he wrote that episode. Yeah. And well, he does everything. He, he wrote it. He, he wrote he, it. I mean, he and yeah. I did a movie together where we met, and and Jesse was in it too. And yeah. you know, um, he—he's just such an open, lovely guy, and he does yeah. what we do. He puts his money where his mouth is. Listen, He goes and gets it done. And gets it done. Yeah, I and love it. gets it done, and yeah. that's what it's all about. Yeah. Now, so Karate Kid happens. Now, if the Karate Kid was there, like, oh, my God, we have to get him in this other thing and do the... Not really. There was the... You walk into Rambo. So you walk into a role where I have more lines than Sly. 
I have nine. He has nine lines in this movie. I speak more than he does. But I looked at this. This comes to me, and it, it's eighty-five pages of mayhem. That's what this script yes, is. Yeah. And I read it. And I said I should follow Karate Kid with this. This will be a, another hundred million dollar grocer. Yeah. So I take the time off Cagney and Lacey, and I go to Acapulco, and I go do this. Yeah. And we. It was a tense set, but we had a ball. And yeah. I knew him because we had the same. We had the same. German clockmaker named Kuno Spoonholz yeah. in the early 70s as our manager. He would get Sly a job as an usher in the Baronet Theater on th right. and get me a job as Santa Claus in Abraham Strauss. Right, right. These are the kind of jobs we right. did right, have right. before we worked. Yes, sure. And so, you know, we, we knew, we're friends and he says, come on and play. So I went there and I did yeah. this Rambo thing and then it, it exploded and well, he's Sly's amazing, man. Yeah. I mean, the man invented the sequel. <laughs> I really mean it. He, I mean, people think, well, you, is, you think it's easy making a sequel? Go ahead, try it. Right. Well, I mean, Rambo and Rocky. Then, then at this age, he does Expendables. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah, and the Tulsa King, it's kind of interesting. You know, you watch the Tulsa yeah. King. But he's got the help of Taylor Sheridan in there. Great writer. Who, who, yeah. you know, Taylor just resurrected the Western, yeah. you know, and thank God, and... And uh, he's a wonderful writer, but you know Sly is, just, and Sly is such as you know, such a funny guy. Right, he's a funny, funny. Sly guy. is funny. It's funny. And Sly, let me tell you about Sly. And people go, you know, they'll make fun and go, Adrian, one of the smartest guys in the business I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I know Sly. He's fucking brilliant. Uh, I met, I did Oscar with him, and I asked him about because I was going through the same thing that he went through with Rocky, uh, with Bronx Tale, and he was just really nice and. Very supportive, very smart guy. I, I think I think he's a very, very smart, smart guy. Very smart, very smart. Now, okay, so you do Rambo. Now, where do you live now? Do you live in L.A.? Or? I, I have a ranch in um, in Tennessee. A ranch? Yeah, I, I've always wanted. I've always wanted. I had a, I had a eleven acres in Agora. Right. I bought that in, in the seventies, right. and then it burned down. I lost everything. Right. And then we moved in into you know town and all that. And I always wanted to have a ranch again because I love horses and I love. I love property, and so I bought a place about two years ago in in uh, Nashville. Nashville. And it's a gas. It's just 11 acres, and it's a lot of fun, and I've got a creek and a little Tuscany villa. Wow. And um, I've got an old barn, and um, it's great. It's just wonderful. And, and I'll have a couple of horses once. Once we finish season six of Cobra Kai, <clears throat> yeah. then I'll be able to spend more time back there. I'll have a couple of horses and uh, just ride around the property and play cowboy. Now, when they came to you with Cobra Kai, were you, I don't know, do I want to do this again? Or how did you feel about that? It was pretty clear. I told them, I told them that I didn't want to play him one-dimensional. I did not want to play him the same way we did in the movie. I think that's very smart, yes. And I said, I need some vulnerability. I need some texture written to, of emotionally. Right. <clears throat> and they said, yes. What was really funny is they were on a podcast with my kids. I did a podcast called Kicking It With The Coves, and my son, Jesse, and daughter, Rachel, we had the guests, the writers, guests. Right. And they came in, and I never knew this. This right. is like six months ago. And they said, when we met you at Dan Tanner's and we offered you this role to come back, we were afraid because we were offering you to be in episode 10, season one, to set up season two. And we felt that you were going to ask exactly what you asked. Why can't you come in earlier? 
episode five, episode six, and we thought you were going to kick our ass at the restaurant. We were so intimidated because of what you did in Karate Kid 1. Right. We thought you would get really angry and take it out on us that we Whoa. were letting you. And they were serious. They were right. really serious, these right. guys. I cracked up. I thought it was hysterical that they held this information for three, four years, that they were so intimidated Whoa. by me to invite me to come and play, but were really apprehensive about even having this meeting because they thought I'd get violent. <laughs> I just, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure people look at you on the street. People look at me. They're afraid to talk to us sometimes. Yeah, they get really intimidated. And, and you're a pussy guy. And so am I. Yeah. I'm a nice guy. Yeah, you know, they go, oh, everybody. They still thinks I'm in the mafia. I go, no, I'm not. I've never been arrested. I went to college. I'm not in the mafia. I play mafia guys. So, but. They go, yeah, uh, uh, okay, Chaz, yeah. We know. <laughs> and the more I deny it, the more they keep thinking it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I do a podcast with Michael Francis. We do The Wise and the Wise Guy, which is a great podcast. Now, he's a legitimate mobster. That's, that's, that's a boss. He was a boss. But I do, you know, I always say, Michael is the wise guy. I'm not a wise guy. I'm just a, I'm an actor, you know. But same with you, man. Yeah, you just... You know, people assume. I used to think that only happened in soap opera stars, yeah. where where oh, yeah. housewives truly believe that all those characters are those oh, real. people. You know, yeah. and then you know, and then I met a few, and I it, it was yeah. amazing the respect I have for for so many of the daytime actors oh. that go to Broadway, that yeah. go do both. Yeah, it is just Oh, it's, it's worked. They're, now, do you brilliant. know any martial arts? Have you ever done it? Well, we were doing. We were going to do a movie um, called "The uh, uh, Lion of Ireland," a story of Brian Baru, who was the first king of Ireland who united the tribes against the Vikings. Right. And this goes back to like 1180. So Morgan Wellen wrote a book, and we were all training. We were all doing a lot of kendo. Right. And we had a foundation of karate, and then. That was about two months before Karate Kid. Really? And then that movie lost its tax incentive because Margaret Thatcher changed the laws in London. Wow. And boom. So I went in, but martial arts was never a prerequisite. Billy, who plays Johnny Lawrence, and Ralph, Ralph Macchio, you know, not, none of us really were martial artists. Right. He had some wrestling background and... Um, I did a couple of you know boxing bouts and things. I fought Larry. I fought in Atlantic City. I fought Larry Holmes Jesus. in a three round. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was useless. And after yes. a round and a half, yeah, I'm yeah. on the ground right, doing splits and right. trying to be a clown, you know, because right. I couldn't even no yeah. stamina. But you know, it was a celebrity thing. But the bottom line was, it was all about the work. If you were good, yes. you got it. Now, who else from the Karate Kid, the original, is in Kobukai? Well, they in in um, um, Terry Silver is played in. He did Karate, Karate Kid Three. Okay. And Karate Kid Three was a uh, literally a script written for my character, and I got a series called Hard Time on Planet Earth and couldn't do it. Right. So they rewrote it and created a character called Terry Silver, right. who sends me on vacation, and he becomes. The villain of the villain of Karate Kid Three, yeah, and they brought it. Uh, they brought Chosen back. Chosen is an ally of Ralph's, where he met him in Karate Kid Two, right? And 
Let's see. Then they've brought back uh, Robin Lively, who right. is the love affair from right. from uh, two and three, and that. Oh, and they brought back Elizabeth Shue, who was the love affair from Karate uh, Kid yeah, One. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue. God, yeah. yeah, and she was. Well, we all we all were so in love with her. Oh my God! Oh my God! Yes, yeah, great. And. Um, Let's see wow. who else. That's great. Now, I, I, I know Rafa. I met Rafa a bunch of times. And he said he's going to come on the show. I got to get him on the show. It's too bad we couldn't get you guys together. It would have been great. But I'm going to get Rafa. Rafa is, is going to come on the show. He came on. His daughter came on. And he came on to uh, my our podcast. And yeah. it, it was it was great. Yeah. You know? No, he's, he's great. He's a good. Nice kid. Good guy. He's a Not veteran kid. like us. He's like, Not you know. Kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's like us. Yeah. So now you... You're in here. Oh, you came in for our, our cigar night and yeah. to do the podcast. And uh, you had fun last night at the cigar night? I had a lot of fun. You know, the people were great. It was like, I felt like, what was that? It, it was like in the offer where there's, you know, there's right. the meeting. It, it was like, right, right, right. I love the offer, by the way. I just think, yeah, I, love it too. I think every actor should watch the yeah, offer oh, yeah, yeah. For, to yeah. get that the tenacity of Al Ruddy yeah. to learn about I that. I knew Al Ruddy. He wanted to oh, do me Bronx too, right, right. You knew Al Ruddy. Yeah, sure. I knew uh, 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 Bob Evans real good. Oh, really? Real good. And he was just like that. But he was he steals the show, the guy played. Steals the show. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But I tell kids, whenever they come up, can you you know, can you impart something on you know, give me some advice, Mr. Cole, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. And I tell them just Watch the eight episodes of The Offer. Yes. Because whenever... Tenacity. Some, tenacity. Whenever some producer or a casting person tells you you're not good enough, just remember, it's their mistake. Right. It's their mistake not to hire you. Yes. They just... I mean, they, the, he did not want Al Pacino. I mean, Al told me when I worked with Al. He said, no, no, they, they wanted me out. And he knew it. And then was Francis' idea for them to do the killing scene. He thought that would be show that he has balls, and when they did that, then they turned to Francis and said, uh, all right, I think he can do it. But what does Gulf and Western, what do those corporate guys really know? know. Right. They, they thought everything, right. that every right. movie should be made right. $100 million, like right. Love Story. Right. Everything will make $100 million. That's why we're on the corporate board. Right. Please. Please. <laughs> Please. You know, you know yeah, right. it's kind of like, you know, and, and this is what he was up against in the early 70s. Right. People saying, and I remember characters like, oh, I remember um, it was um, uh, the casting fellow, Lou DiGiamo. Lou DiGiamo. I was always in front of him for something. Lou DiGiamo. And Andrea Eastman. I Andrew remember Eastman. her. And Bonnie Timmerman. Yeah, Bonnie Timmerman. Oh, God, yes. Yes. And these were, so I'm watching the show. And I'm looking, and these names are coming at me. Right. And I went out with Al's wife, Francoise Ruddy. I went out with her, and this is after she got divorced. So it was 1975. We had done Est together. Right. And all of a sudden, her name comes up. Francoise, where do I know this woman? And then I put all the pieces together, and I said, I know all these people. Right. This is really yeah, it's real, in yeah. my early days yeah. in New York. Yeah. Al Ruddy was a classic producer. Oh, yeah. Classic. Yeah. I was in the bathroom. At, uh, he probably don't remember. Well, Al's 92 now. I was in the bathroom at the Palm in, L in L.A. on Rodeo Drive. And I'm, at, I'm, I'm, in the I'm in the urinal, and he comes right next to me. He doesn't remember. He goes, oh, my God. You, I know everybody's trying to get your thing, Bronx Taylor. And, I'm, you know, it's, a, it's hard to talk when you're taking a pee, you know. And I sure, go, yes. 
You got to come. I'm coming to the. I want you to come to my office. Checkbook. I got an open checkbook. We're going to make this movie. And I'm like this. I said, okay. I never forgot that. Never. Well, forgot the Yogi didn't turn into you. No, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he didn't turn into you. Know? No, no, that would have been uh, not good. That was an old Charlie Bronson story about that, but we won't go there. But it was, it's, you know, he's, the cat is just, uh, yeah. you know, what the epitome of every actor should deal with yes. is just what he did to make that Notorious. Movie. And and but you think about it. Not only was it a good movie, The Godfather, but it became the classic. Yeah, the classic. The cla it's a classic. Classic. And two is probably just as good as one. I don't know. Some Absolutely. people think two's better. So that's one of those rare things. That let's face it, Karate Kid one was the best. Yeah. Bronx Tale was the best. I can't make two because I I I just don't feel it. I never wanted to because they go, well, gee, find out what happened to the kid. I go, what happened to the kid? The kid became famous. That's me. What's so fucking exciting about that? You know, Bronx Tale one is the one. That's the one. From me until 18, you know. It's always the first one. Yeah. Except always. the Godfather. Except the Godfather. And, and, and even the Rockies, you know. Oh, the Rockies? But they, they held up. The, they held up better, but still one. A one. Is raw. raw. One is raw. You first know, blood. It's, it's, you know, it, it, first blood. First, yeah, first blood. blood is an excellent Excellent movie. Yes, Rambo is, is is Rambo. It's first of its kind. One Man Against the World. Right. Then you had Commando and all the Chuck Norris movies. Right, right, right. You know, of the eighties. But Rocky was raw. First Blood was raw. Raw. Real. Brian Dennehy, brilliant. Brilliant actor. Brilliant. Yeah. You ever see? If I got to see him in uh, Death of a Salesman. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I saw it too. Great. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I mean, one thing about Sly, he, he puts. Great actors around him. So. Yeah, he does. I mean, and it's such a pleasure to have you here, Marty. I mean, really, my son's pissed off at me because he fucking loves you. He goes, Dad, you don't understand. I, I want to see that. I said, I said, Dante, there's nothing I could do. He goes, when you see him, tell him, sweep the leg. I go, yeah, he's never heard that before. <laughs> I go, that's like somebody telling you to tell me, now you just can't leave. I mean, come on. But uh, I, I got to have you back on the show. It's really sure. good. So, so what do you got coming? You got uh, well, I'm doing. Well, my son and I were doing um, this. Uh, we, it's very funny. It's sort of a Tarantino-esque movie, and um, it, it it it's really interesting. Did you write it? And you directed? I it? I didn't write it. No, it came to us, and it was um, it was fascinating. It's it's a. Uh, it's called uh, Mary Sue Must Die, and it's a story of a, it's a, it's a real spoof. It's a satire on the senator's daughter who's in the way, and she's got to be handled by me, who's the corporate head of assassins around the world. <laughs> and I want to tell you, she defeats all my assassins that are on my list, and then she defeats me. And Jesse is hysterical. My son, right. we've done a lot of movies together. Right. And he, he has a scene where he gets shot in the stomach, right. Pulls out the book. This is to die. This is right out of a. So, did you finish the movie? Yeah, we finished the movie. Also, oh, uh, tell two us weeks about ago. it. What is the name of the movie? It's, um, that movie is called Mary Sue Must Die. Mary <clears throat> Mary Sue Must Mary Sue Mary Sue Must, must die, die, folks. Listen Mary to Sue that. Must Die, and right. then I went right directly into this other movie that John Avelson, his son Ash Avelson, wrote and directed. Right, and it's called. It's about Mildred Burke, the first. The first female wrestler. Right. It's called um, uh, the Queen of the Ring. Right. And we're shooting it now. I have to go back and do it again in um, right. in Louisville, and 
it's it's wonderful. It's with Great. Um, um, it's with Josh Lucas. And, oh, I uh, love Josh Dermot Lucas. Mc, uh, and yes, oh, those are great actors. One great, wonderful stuff. And you know, it's all good stuff. But the western I'm going to do with my son and his interest out of Sony. Right. And there's I'm trying to launch this other project, which is all about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday before Tombstone. And these people who wrote it wrote Tombstone. Wow. And so Jesse, there's not even a part in there. I'm going to just narrate. Right. But Jesse will play Wyatt Earp. Your and, son. Yeah, my oh, son. Oh, well, he's big, yeah. tall, handsome guy. I saw uh, yeah. him. I, I just yeah. want to resurrect the Western. Right. Taylor Sheridan is step one. I'm trying to do step two. Listen, I want to be in a Western, Marty. All right. I, <laughs> I well, we know, we know you're a killer, so it's good. I mean, you got turkeys and bears. You know what movies I love? <clears throat> I love... Uh, for a few dollars more, oh. although Franco Franco Nero, they're all Italian. Those guys. Oh, oh, I have to tell you this one story. I I was a Serge Leone fan, major big, fan, big fan. I used to, I, I just played yeah. the music all the time in the car yeah. and everything. And so I met the Martinez, and I hear that he's there. So I go to see him, and I'm chatting with him at Cannes. Right. And um, I said I talked to him about. The Cigarillo, and I talked about the Serapi and the yeah. hat, and I say, well, is that Clint's idea, or was it your idea, yeah. the Serapi? All this. And I knew everything about his movie. And here he had his brother-in-law, who's big, overweight guy, translating for him. Right. He didn't speak very good English. Six months later, I hear he's in at the Chateau Marmont, and he's, he's interviewing Once Upon a Time in America. Yes. So I go up there, my agent gets me an um, interview, and I go up there, and I learn Italian. It's fluent Italian. Do you remember me? We met in Cannes. And so I go, I go to the meeting and I, I, I know it all. And there he is sitting in the Chateau Marmont with his brother-in-law, his overweight brother-in-law translating. Yeah. And I said, I, I sit with him and I say, I said, Duo, and I, I say it, you know, in, in Italian. Italian. Perfect. Do you remember me? We met in Cannes. And he goes like this in perfect English. Do I remember you? You're the boy who knows more about my westerns than me. <laughs> wow. You know? Wow. And I just died. I just, that's, oh, it didn't yeah, matter if great. I got the part. And De Niro, and, yeah, and yeah. De Niro got it because right. it was noodles I was yeah, up for. noodles. Oh, wow. So, so it didn't matter because he remembered, he remembered Marty Cove from Marty six Cove. months or earlier. And it's my admiration. Yeah, oh, God, yes, right. it was wonderful. But I love those movies. Right. I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and all that. It, yeah. it, well, it was just wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, part. Clint. Clint is it's great. Clint. Well, Marty, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I wish you much success on your movies. Thank you. And uh, we got to have you back. And uh, that's it, folks. We're, this is the end of the, don't forget, the, our episode next Monday at 11 o'clock. Tune in. I got some big announcements to make next Monday, in fact. Don't forget our cigar, the Bronx Tail Cigar. Okay? You got to come and pick it up. We're going to come out of You You smoked our cigars, right? Oh, wonderful oh, Great. You're a big uh, cigar smoker, right? I am a big cigar smoker. They they create a relaxation for me that's, I can read. I almost, I wish I could write. Right. I wish the cigar would right. translate into writing. Yes. We want partners <laughs> with Epic. A big cigar, big announcements coming in, in the next few weeks. Don't forget my website, chazpalmterry.net. All right, you know what? It's unbelievable. We were talking, you know, Marty was talking about his son, and it just so happens his son walked by. No, he's here. You know, uh, he came in with Marty from, uh, from Nashville, and we, I said, get him on. We, let's get him on the show. 
So this is Jesse Cove. Jesse, how are you? I'm great. I flew in uh, just for this. Uh, you flew in just for this. <laughs> landed in the back of the house. Yeah. You land now. You guys, like you were saying, Marty, you're doing this movie with you and Jesse. Wait, but you're both in Gravesend. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you both play. We're Hasidic Jewish uh, mafia, in the uh, in the Hasidic Graveyard. Jewish mafia. Yes. <laughs> well, they are. They have their own mafia. Is that right to say that? I can say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's okay. just facts. They do. Everybody's facts. got We work together. Yeah. We yeah. work together with with Italians in the movie. Right. And it's it's very funny. Now, yeah. how do you like working with your dad? I love working with my dad. We always have a great time. You know, we're, we're you know very much like you had explained to me with your son. Like you, you kind of want the best for each other. So you're always like looking out for each other. You know, yes. I want the best for him. He wants the best for me. So right. even if I'm on set with him, like whether he's working on something I'm watching, or if I'm working on something, right. I'll always like come up to him, maybe whisper something in his ear, or tell him, give him a note about something, or right. I'll look to him and say like, "Is that good?" And then right. you know, my son and I do the same thing. We do I the same that. thing because you trust each other. You could talk to each other and. Uh, it's a, it's like a, it's a bond. It's a, a father son. Now, did you always want to be an actor? He never pushed me in the industry at all. When I grew up, I, I started naturally just making movies with like my dad's camera. I would steal it and make movies. Right. And then I would do like I'd pretend to be like a magician in front of the family. So I was always performing and making my mom laugh. Right. My mother loved to laugh at my jokes and accents. Right. So then, then during high school, and I started going to like the performing arts classes and doing plays. And, right. And that's okay. how it kind of all started. And. Do you feel uh, like this is something you want to do forever? I love it. Every time, whenever I'm working on a film set or if I'm doing a play or, or, or a series, I'm always my happiest. It's just I love doing it. It never feels like work. It is work, as you know. Yes. But it's never like, I don't feel yeah, well, like it's, you know all, what it's say, labor. You know, find your passion. Yes. If you find your passion in life and you get really good at it, then your passion becomes your vocation. It's like you, you know, a vacation. That's really you, you know. That's to me. I never work. I, I don't work. I never worked in forty years. I write. I direct. I, you know, I produce. I, that's not working to me. You work hard, but you're not working. Yes. Because I love doing it. Same. It's, now your your dad's a big Western person. Yes. Are you a Western person? Too? I love westerns. Love them. We just well, we know, just finished one together actually. That's coming well, that's out right. in he September. Was and the name of the Western is again. It's called um, Far Haven, directed by Gary Wheeler. Wow. Wow. But one more thing I was going to say, you were talking about like, you know, all this stuff, it's never worked the passion. I also have like you, I know you do, I know he does too, a lot of gratitude. Like if I ever I'm on set, Big time. I did an episode of Magnum PI in, right. in Hawaii a, a month ago. Right. And every time, like I'll be sitting on the plane, you know, you get flown first class. And right. I'm sitting on the plane. I'm, I just sit to myself and I'll literally say like, thank you quietly to myself. Or I'm on set and I'll look, right. I'll look up and I'll say thank you. Whoever's listening, God, whoever's there. Because I'm just always grateful for those opportunities that I have. And you know what? That's why you'll be successful. That's why you are successful. Always be grateful. Thank you. Always be grateful. Every morning I wake up and I do the grateful flow. Five things I'm grateful for. And then each day I do different things. And you know what? We're just renting here. We're right. renting space on earth. That's all this is. And so it's how you treat other people and how... Uh, um, and how you give back and what you leave behind is really all that matters. It might be an idealistic way of looking at life, but it's the way I feel. You know, what do we have? We have, there's only two things you could leave behind. Really, if you think about it, art and children. Right. It's Nothing true. else. Nothing else. I want to leave good art and I want to leave good children. That's it. After that, you know, money, that doesn't mean nothing. 
fame, that goes. Chaz promised us a couple of these posters, by the way, that we yes, can take yeah. uh, when he's gone. <laughs> no, so I mean, I, I, I go to my son, I go to my daughter, uh, you know, as kids, I'll say, yeah, James Cagney. They go, who's James Cagney? Who's James Cagney? You don't know James Cagney? Oh, Dad, I don't know. I mean, you know, if they could forget James Cagney, they could forget us. So it's okay. You know what I mean? So I say, do the best you can here and leave something good behind. And I mean, I think that's... And the love between... Oh, I know the daughters get pissed at me when I say this. But there's a special love, a bond between a father and son. It's a different love between a father and a daughter, and a mother and a daughter, and a mother and a son. It's like a different... Yeah. There's certain feeling. characteristics that, and that's nothing to do with man or woman. But I, just, I think as 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 men, there's like a there's like an archaic right. kind of yes. we like to put armor on and get yes. out and show no emotion and we go to battle and right. that's like what and provide we like to provide for our family. Not that women can't right. do that or don't. No, but that's like ingrained in us always from like when we were kids and with fathers and sons. No especially, question. You no know? question. It's like my son will say, my daughter will say, Daddy, uh, you know. I know it's late. Could you pick me up? All right, where are you, honey? All right, I'll be right there. All right, I'll come and get you. You know, the girls are, the girls are partying here, and I feel like I'm, I, honey, where are you? Okay, I'll come. My son will call me. I go, what's up? What? Come on. <laughs> You're a big boy now. You could do it. Walk home. Just just <laughs> get a fucking Uber and, call, you know, and come home. No, you can't my, use my, my credit daughter, card. My daughter's like, where you got to, you know, I, whatever I got to do. My son is like, come on, man up. You could do this. You know, but that's it's a different thing, you know. But my, my well, because we want everything. We always want to like, like make everything so nice and easy and wonderful for like the women in our lives or right. the ones we love. Or, you know, yes. to keep it nice and soft. Now, are and, you married? Uh, I'm not, but I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm. I have a beautiful relationship, and uh, I've got dogs, and oh, very happy. Right. Do yes. you you live in L.A.? I do. Okay. Uh, do you do you have an agent with you? Uh, I do. I have an agent manager. We have the same manager. Um, I, have a, I have an amazing team behind me. I'm very very happy with Rachel Sheehy. Oh, my oh good. No, no, that's great. It's, I'm glad we got you on the show. You're a tall, young, handsome guy, and you look like you can bang around a few heads. And uh, <laughs> I think you'll have a great career ahead. of You're you. Just looking in the mirror, man. That's, no, that's no, 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 no. I think you're going to be able to, to. I think you're going to be able to do all right. And I always tell young people, I say. But they say, what's the secret to success? And I tell them all the time. I go, be good at what you do and be well-liked. If you can do that, you'll be successful. Because they can't stop you. Because if you're so good and you're so well-liked, people will want to put you in their movie. They'll say, you know what? I want to be around that guy. He's such a good guy and he's so fucking right for this part. Let's get him in the movie. I love that he said that because I'm not even kidding you. Right. I try to leave every wherever I am, I'm, right. every set or movie, the, like like you just said. I want them to remember yeah. you and like I want to work with that guy again. He was funny. He was fun. He yeah. had a great time. Like who who doesn't want to work with people that you love and have fun? Life's with? too short. Yeah, life's too short. There was there was um, <clears throat> Jesse just before we we came to uh, uh, came to New York. He sent me a poster of the Western we did. Right. And it did not have. It had Bruce Boxleiner. It had myself, A. Martinez. It did not have Jesse on the poster. Right. And he said, Daddy, he says, Daddy, I, don't you think I should be in the poster? I said, I said, Dad. Yeah, I said, Dad. So. My son goes that too. So my son says the same thing. He goes, Dad, it's Dad. I don't say Daddy, Daddy. Dad. <laughs> so, yeah. so I said, I, I think you should be in the poster. So I, I call up the producer. 
and I call up the director and I say, you know, you're making a big mistake here. You're a family network and it's a family concept that right, right. we work together. From a marketing the, standpoint, from the, which is what's was I know. Let me, I'm telling the story. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so so the, um, I, I, I said this and they agreed. The producer, it's, it's, it's a Western network right. and um, it's all about family. And I said, utilize it. Put the kid in the poster right. because we can talk about it on talk shows. We can talk about yes. a promotion. And the director says, you're absolutely right. And then the producer called me, runs the network and said, Marty, what is it? And I told him the same story. And he says, give me two weeks. I'm going to get our promotion department on it. And we'll have Jesse on the bottom of the poster because he does all the action in the piece. Right. But it's because they liked him. Right. If I was trying to talk like about someone right. who was a neurotic, or if they didn't like him, had a bad feeling about it, him, never would get it. Marty, sorry. You know, have you ever worked with art? I'm sure you have. Uh, You've had to work with artists who are somewhat annoying to be around, but yes. brilliant as artists. Yes, it's like the weirdest dichotomy. That's, that's you, annoying. Yeah, that's when you bite the bullet and go, "I got to deal with this idiot for four weeks, but I'm going to do the best I can." And then you just be nice to him and you deal with his bullshit. But it's only four weeks. You get the performance on the screen. After four weeks, you go, okay. <laughs> a series, no, I wouldn't deal with it for a series. Uh, a movie, I, I'll deal with the guy. If he's that brilliant and that perfect, I'll deal with it. I'll, I'll deal with it. But hey, man, it's great to have you stop by. Thank you. Jesse? Such an honor. You got a big really. career ahead of you. You got Thank a great you. father there. It's nice to see father, son like this. It uh, makes my heart feel good. Dad, I need $20 for gas. Yes. <laughs> no, I, your index cards. Your Check index. your index Get cards. The, Check the index cards. <laughs> God bless you. See you next week.